The Healthy Alabama podcast is sponsored by Enroll Alabama, a program that enrolls Alabamians in the health insurance marketplace. Enroll Alabama is a project of AIDS Alabama. For more information, visit the website AIDSAlabama.org. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Alabama podcast sponsored by Enroll Alabama. I'm David Person, host and producer, really happy about the fact that we produce this podcast in partnership with our friends at WJOU, Oakwood University Radio Praise 90.1 FM in Huntsville, the northern part of the state. But of course, the podcast is for, well, it's not just really for the whole state, it's actually for anybody, anywhere, connected to Alabama or not. But we do like to focus on issues that are germane to Alabama. And we're proud to be sponsored by, speaking of Alabama, we're proud to be sponsored by AIDS Alabama, a great organization in Birmingham that is on the front lines of the fight to educate the public and prevent the spread of HIV AIDS in Alabama. Uh, sitting on the other side of the studio, I'm looking at a good friend. You know, I really love the fact that I get a lot of good friends to come in here. You, know, you got a lot of good friends, Dave. Well, I do. I do. And, I, and I'm really glad and honored that I can count you among them. Lamont Dupree is the program coordinator for NAHEC. Uh, did I say the acronym correctly, NAHEC? NAHEC is correct. Um, North Alabama AHEC, or NAHEC, but it stands for Area Health Education Center. North Alabama Area Health Education Center. Great. And uh, Lamont, you your focus at NAHEC or NAHEC's focus mm-hmm. is on healthcare in rural Alabama, right? Yeah, we focus mostly on rural, but we also have a focus of underserved as well. So, really, rural and underserved. Um, the organization itself came into existence to address health disparities in rural. It's kind of migrating, in my opinion, to also focus on underserved populations as well. So, so you're you're talking about health disparities that are based specifically on location, geographic location. Yeah. So when you look at the health outcomes, as well as just those, as far as careers, as far as workers in the areas that we're talking about, rural areas, you're going to have a correlation oftentimes between doctors and nurses in an area and the health outcomes of that area as well. So our goal, I like saying we like to try to increase access to health care for rural and underserved. So when you look at education, you begin to correlate that to people going into healthcare fields. Because one of the things that we've learned is that students that live in rural are more apt to go back and work in rural areas where they grew up. And so one of the things that we try to do is to encourage students uh, starting at the high school level or even middle school, getting them interested in understanding the need that if they have an interest in going into healthcare, to consider going in, becoming a doctor, becoming a nurse practitioner, becoming a physician assistant, but not leaving and taking their skills to an urban area, but actually coming back and working where they grew up so they can help their community and, and come back and give back. So is the basic problem that there are health disparities based on geography due to access of resources, money? Is it politics? What are we talking about here? Um, it's probably a little bit of all of those because when you talk about economics, let's start with economics. 
one of the things that's kind of a, I don't know, a, you can assume, but you can kind of see just the numbers of students education-wise, where they don't have necessarily the same opportunities as someone in a more urban area because, again, their, their schools don't necessarily have as many resources as an urban area might, so their students don't get the same type of education that an urban area might. And so when you're talking about competing and being able to go into certain schools and being able to have that background that they need to be successful, especially in a healthcare career, there's some disparity there because, again, economically, you know, the way that we do our schooling here in Alabama is based on property values and that whole tax thing. So if a school system is in a county where there's a lower income area, then the students aren't going to have as much, that the schools are going to have as much to pour into their students. And so it's, it's several different things. So it's not just one particular thing. And so our goal overall is to try to address try to hit it where we can, and that's with workforce development and trying to get students engaged. So through workforce development, you, you're able to address health disparities? That's yes. interesting. I've never heard of that particular approach. Well, again, it's, it's dealing with, okay, so I've, we're trying to get students. I'll go in and I'll talk to a class, for example, and I'll talk to them about what they're trying to do as far as their aspirations, as far as school is concerned. We'll talk to them about the needs as far as there is a greater need for physicians and um, nurse practitioners. Primary care is what we're focusing on. And then hopefully the goal is to pique their interest in that. So then when they go off to college, the goal is to, to plant a seed that they'll come back and work in their hometown. Once that happens, it can have an economic impact because, again, when a, when a doctor moves into an area, Statistically, there's a, over a $1.1 million impact economically in the area. It also impacts... When one doctor moves in. It's one doctor moves in. Statistically, hmm. it's about a $1.1 million difference. And that's, and that's big city, small town, doesn't matter? Big city, small town. Generally, it's focused more on rural because, you know, they're bringing in their expertise. They're bringing in a team of people. They're going to have to work in their office. It impacts, again, the overall health outcomes of that particular population. Because when you look at some counties, you have a lot of counties that no longer, and this is just an example, no longer offer, their hospital no longer offers birth. They don't do baby delivery. Because economically, based on the way the population moves, it may not be economically feasible for that hospital to continue with that particular service. And so what happens? Then you have individuals that are pregnant, mothers that are pregnant and expecting, if there's not an OBGYN in that area, then infant mortality is impacted. So in order for them to deliver their baby in a hospital, they're going to have to travel. In order for them to get them prenatal care, they're going, to, they're going to have to travel. And so if they have trouble with transportation, which is another issue in rural areas, then prenatal care is not going to be necessarily be as consistent as it should be and what, you know, some more urban individuals will find. So, you know, that's an example where, again, if, and so we're talking about migration and moving into the area. If I don't have basic health care easily accessible, that area is going to suffer as well. So, I mean, it's, it's just a web of different issues that you're going to face when you're talking about health care and access to health care in a rural area. As I listen to you talk about this, Lamont, I, I'm thinking about 
the fact that I know there are about, I think, seven to eight rural hospitals that have closed. Yes. And many of us, and I'm unabashedly on this side of the argument, believe that one of Alabama's biggest mistakes over the past 10 years was to reject the opportunity to benefit from Medicaid expansion. Medicaid expansion would have probably addressed a lot of the disparities that you're talking about in rural areas, and certainly I think it's reasonable to assume that not only the hospitals that have closed, but the doctor's practices that have closed would not have closed <laughs> if Alabama had done this. I honestly believe it made a, it would make a difference. Um, having been on the side where I was a financial advisor and I worked with um, getting people enrolled in the healthcare.gov, you know, I saw I saw both sides. I saw where you had families that were working, they were they were doing what they could, and they may have had a couple of children, and they weren't eligible to even enroll on the marketplace because they were either making too much or they had their family size just didn't make them eligible to enroll in the plan, um, Obamacare, everybody likes using that term, but, you know, to enroll on the marketplace. And so the idea was that that kind of, that family would have been able to get picked up by Medicaid. Um, the Medicaid expansion. And so, yeah, definitely when you look at the idea that we did not or as a state have not um, expanded Medicaid, it it does make a difference um, because, again, you have so many people now that are uninsured and, you know, physicians, they, they like to get paid, and rightfully so. Hospitals need that revenue. And so it does make a difference, and it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. I mean, it shouldn't be a based on your your economic status that you can get health care. I mean that that's seemingly a basic need, and when you when you can't, um, again you're talking about hospital closing that makes a difference. When you're talking doctors about practices doctors' closing, practices yeah. closing that makes a difference. So it's unfortunate that we haven't expanded, um, in my opinion. But hopefully we'll you know we're trying to make some strides to to make some changes. Post hopefully we'll see some changes soon. Yeah, I had uh, State Representative Anthony Daniels on the podcast. Mm-hmm some episodes ago, and that was one of my questions to him. Did he believe, he, he of course, is the House Minority Leader, mm-hmm. Democrat, and that was one of my questions. I know Anthony works across the aisle. He mm-hmm. works with Republicans on things. So I asked him, you know, do you think that under Governor Ivey, there's the possibility that we may have Medicaid expansion? And he was talking very optimistically. So, I mean... It may be called something else, right. he said, but mm-hmm. he, he thought that it was possible. So I'm with you. I hope that that will be the case because, again, we, as you just so eloquently put it, people's ability to be healthy should not be dictated by their economic situation, right. their financial situation, or their economic status. Mm-hmm. And yet that's what we have in this country, and it's what we have in this state. And and there seems to me to be something really backwards and immoral about that. And mm-hmm. I and I really stress immoral. I believe it's immoral mm-hmm. for us to to watch children and families and individuals suffer and not have the opportunity to be as healthy as they can be simply because of their economic situation. And I mean, and so what you see, and you know, God bless our hospitals, our public hospitals that 
become the primary care outlet for those families because if, if, if they have a challenge, they have something going on with them and, and their health and they say, okay, I've got to go get some help, they're going to go to a hospital. Um, they're going to go to a public hospital. And they can get served there. But more likely their situation has been it's going to cost more because they've, they've waited. Because people, you know, at their core, I think, they they know that, hey, I don't have the money. I'm not just going to show up. So oftentimes a person's health is has deteriorated. That condition has deteriorated to a place where now it's going to take more for them to get back to to get back on par than it would have had they been able to go or even been able to get some preventative care to be able to go to a primary care doctor for their annual checkup or if they have some chronic disease being able to get that continually taken care of as opposed right. to having to go to an emergency room situation where we know it costs more to even show up at an emergency room but now you've got something that's going to be that much more challenging to take care of, whereas before you could have taken care of it with less cost. And and let's just be honest. I mean, anybody who's been in an emergency room for any reason, whether you have insurance or not, you know emergency rooms are not really the ideal place to get routine kind of care. Right. You're supposed to go there just, well, in an emergency, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, the other thing that occurs to me with this uh, the challenge of rural health care is that in many of us who live in urban areas or, or major cities in the mm-hmm. state, the four major cities in the state, don't think about this. But if you're you know, if you're in your if you're in Huntsville, Birmingham, Mobile, Montgomery, you're probably okay. You probably mm-hmm. have access to care. Unless of course for financial reasons right. you're, you're challenged. Right. But those of us even who are accustomed to having access to care, mm-hmm. who have the resources, either through insurance or whatever we've got, to take care of our health, what happens when we're traveling in another part of the state where there's no hospital, where where doctors' practices are few and far between, and you have an accident mm-hmm. or, you, or you develop a sickness? Mm-hmm. Something happens, you know, you've got a chronic condition that you're dealing with with your doctor in one of the major cities, but you're on the road and you have an episode, and then you don't have a hospital to go to. Yeah. It seems to me like Alabamians on the whole should realize, and our politicians and our leaders should realize, that the rural health care system isn't just for the people who live in the rural areas, it's for anybody who's traveling through those areas. And, I, and I'm sure, like you, I know you travel a lot for your work. Mm-hmm. When I travel throughout the state, I'm passing through rural areas right. that I know are depleted in mm-hmm. terms of their resources when it comes to health. So what happens if you have a something happen is the same thing that happens when someone that lives in that area. Um, if they don't have access and, and it takes them longer for emergency crews to get there and then to now transport you to a place that has an emergency room that can handle it, we know that time is crucial. And so the same thing that, that if something happens while you're traveling through is the same thing that happens to them. Their survival rates, you know, are not as good here. Because, of course, you, the more time you have to travel to get to help, your likelihood of survival or even um, being able to have a better outcome 
is going to be diminished. And so it's important. I, I, I agree. I, I, that's, a, that's a good way to think about it. it it's, a, it's a network that's, that's important yeah. um, that I think we all should kind of think about and have a stake in. I think we all should see our stake in the need for better health care overall yeah. um, as not just a them problem but a us problem as a state. Yes. We should all realize that it's not just the people – we should be concerned about oh, the yeah. people in the rural area. Mm-hmm. We should be concerned about it, those of us who live in the urban area. But even if we're too dense or too selfish or too narcissistic to care about those people just because they're people mm-hmm. like us, we should care about the health care uh, resources in those areas if for no other reason than because we may one day be traveling through that area and need health care. And, and I'll confess, you know, before I started uh, doing what I'm doing now, um, I did do some traveling and, and with the previous job, and I loved driving through rural Alabama. It was I, I miss it sometimes. I don't get out as much as I did before, and I miss it. But even though I was in those areas, the idea of there being a lack or lack of access to health care wasn't something that was I thought about. Uh, and so having now come into this position and, you know, being more kind of coming into uh, more knowledge about what's going on, you know, I knew about the health insurance issue and not, you know, that part of it, but now being able to really understand and actually see and experience what happens when there is poverty in our rural areas, when there is lack of education opportunities in our rural areas, how those things impact the overall, it's become more of a, a mission. Um, and one of the things that's kind of interesting to me, and, I, and I, I talk to people about this, is that, you know, like you said, those of us who are privileged to be here in Huntsville in our urban areas, it's a privilege. And, you know, there's a lot of resources. If I don't have access to insurance, um, you mm-hmm. have different clinics and free services and, and, and people that know how to direct you. It's not so in our rural areas. The things that we point. take for granted, uh, where you, you can just go to a clinic and, and if you don't have it, there's, there's not free clinics in some of our counties. There's not, if your young person is having challenges and you want to get them in a mentorship program, man, you can find somebody in Huntsville or in Birmingham. They're there. Not so in our rural areas. If you need some uh, help education-wise and you're looking for a tutor or something, you can find it here. But in our rural areas, there's not the same opportunities. And I really would challenge some of our other nonprofits and organizations that have that mission and that passion to do something to look outside. I mean, your services are needed not just here but elsewhere. Um, And that's one thing that I feel privileged to even be with my organization because we do try to look outside and see what we can do to make a difference in those areas that perhaps people just haven't ventured into before. So let's let's spend the last few minutes here really helping people to understand who North Alabama AHEC is. Okay. Before you started working for them, I'd never heard of it. Honestly, I just <laughs> yep. I'd never heard of it. That's no disrespect to your boss no, or that's anybody fine. else. That's I just, fair. But it's honest. You're not I, by yourself. I I just I'd never heard of it. <laughs> so, are you guys a state entity? Are you a private nonprofit? What are you? Okay. So the AHEC organization. There is a national organization. Um, the National AHEC Organization is a nationwide, federally funded organization. 
And so the way that we're funded is through a federal grant that flows through from the University of Alabama, Birmingham, through UAB. And so there are actually five different centers in the state. Our covers North Alabama, and then we have four others that cover every county outside of the ones that we do. So every county in, in Alabama is covered by an AHEC organization. And so we came into existence back in the day when they saw, hey, we need to start doing something for our rural areas and intentionally trying to make sure that the workforce, the healthcare workforce is developed. And so around the same time that I don't know how many people might be familiar with the National Health Service Corps, which reimburses physicians and nurses and can give scholarships that they agree to work in rural areas, we came around into existence around the same time as that. So AHEC across the country do some of the same type of work that we do. Uh, we came into existence as far as our center about three years ago, I've been with them around since they came into existence. The others came in before that. But it's been a continual rollout. But the overarching goal, again, was to make sure or try to encourage students to go into the healthcare field, encourage them to come back and give in their rural areas. And it's kind of expanded from there. So, I mean, we, they're AHEC to do several different things, but our focus is on just that education piece and making sure students are knowing and trying to get people out there into the rural areas. So you're a private, you're basically a private nonprofit funded by the federal government. Yes. And your, and your mandate of existence comes from the federal government, it sounds like. Yes. So the federal government taps through, I guess it's fundee, Mm -hmm. UAB in this case, Mm -hmm. taps what an institution, like an educational institution, to house an AHEC, or is that kind of how it works? Yes. We, uh, most, most AHECs are affiliated with a medical school or a nursing school. Most of them are medical school. Because what we try to do as well, in addition to what I've already talked about, is try to find rural placements for physicians, for nurses, for other health professionals. Because the ideal is for uh, if I can get you placed somewhere and you do your internship or you do a rotation um, in a rural area, perhaps you'll see, hey, this is something I'm, I'm really interested in. You find a passion for it, and once you finish your training, perhaps the goal is for you now to say, hey, you know what, let me go back and work in that area because I saw that need. Um, so it's multifaceted. Uh, we also try to help educate those physicians and, and other health practitioners about the needs in rural areas, so we're doing some of that. And we're also on the prowl to do some other things, but that's primarily what we've been working on now. We also have a program now called AHEP Scholars where we're doing some education for, again, health profession students to help them understand how necessary the need to to talk to each other, work interprofessionally as opposed to working in our silos. So, I mean, there's several different things that we do, but, again, the main focus is on getting back into rural and underserved areas. So uh, as we close this out, uh, you're you're with the North Alabama Division of AHEC. Mm-hmm. What are the rural areas in North Alabama that you really focused on? So we've got 13 counties that we cover. So you're looking at uh, places like Lawrence County, Marshall County, Winston County is is probably my most rural area. Walker County, which is you know where Jasper is. What's in Winston County? I can't remember right now. Winston right. County, most people are not going to remember what's in Winston County. Winston County is uh, Doubletree. 
Double Springs. I'm sorry. Double Springs is their county. Oh, Double Springs. Okay, mm-hmm. I've seen that. I've yeah. seen that on the highway. Yeah, you'll see, <laughs> you'll see it on the highway. <laughs> and Lawrence County is Molson, uh, Molson, Cortland, North Cortland. Right, right. Um, of course, Walker County, like I said, is Jasper. Uh, we've got Jackson County, of course, that's Scottsboro. That's mm-hmm. one of the largest counties in the state, and a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, um, that. and so Jackson County, and you know they've got, was it Sand Mountain, and we've got mm-hmm. the Souls area. So those are the areas that primarily I try to get out in. And I do do some things with rural parts of Madison County. So even though Madison County isn't considered a rural county, we do have rural spots in oh, our absolutely. county. And so absolutely. Anybody ever been to Harvest? You know that. <laughs> Harvest has got some rural spots, man. Harvest has some rural spots. But when you go out to Gurley, when you go yeah. out to New Hope, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. You're looking at even Very more rural. so, even New Market. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so some of the same challenges that, you know, a Lawrence County and Moulton might face are the, some of the same challenges that our rural schools and rural students face and rural residents face even in Madison County. Because we can't assume just because Huntsville is here that, that the county's okay. There's still some challenges that the rural residents face that those who live in Huntsville proper are not necessarily going to face. So we do try to get that information and try to educate as well in Madison County. So since you're basically working with school systems, I'm sure you're already plugged into the various school systems. But if for some reason there was a school system or some other organization Mm -hmm. that wanted to know more about North Alabama AHEC, what you're doing, and how perhaps they may benefit, Give them some contact information. Sure. We are actually housed on the campus of Alabama A&M University, so they're one of our community partners. And our website address is na-ahec.org, so we can you can find information there. Our contact number is 256-372-8725. That's directly to my desk. Um, and, of course, my email address is lamont.dupree at na-ahec.org. So any of those ways you can touch bases with us if you have questions, if you'd like me to come and speak to a youth group. I mean, we're always looking for community partners and, and people that can help us out in our mission. So, Lamont Dupree, Program Coordinator for North Alabama AHEC, or as I erroneously said <laughs> earlier at the top of the podcast, Nahek. I think that's what I said. It's interchangeable. It's fine. It's fine. It is fine. Because some of our other partners, I think we have a say heck down in South, so it's all good. Yeah, but except for the fact that you had that sort of very disturbed look on your face when I said (laughs) Nahek. It's it's just not something. It was fine, Dave. It was you, man. You can say whatever you want to say. It's your program. Yeah, well, you know, I still try to get it right. So, North Alabama, A-Hack, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Dupree, my good friend, uh, doing some very, I think, important work in our state to try to ensure that people, in, at least for his particular mm-hmm. organization, people in the northern half of this state, in rural areas, are getting the kind of health care that they need through workforce development. Usually we talk about trying to help people with direct care mm-hmm. and also preventative care. But through workforce development, encouraging young people to ply their trade in the rural areas. That's it. Lamont, thank you for joining us today on the Healthy Alabama Podcast. Oh, no problem, man. Anytime you want me to come back, I am more than willing and available. So just let me know. And I definitely will. All right. I definitely will. 
The Healthy Alabama podcast is sponsored by Enroll Alabama, a project of AIDS Alabama. Our good friends down in Birmingham who have been very generous with us in sponsoring this podcast. This podcast is produced in cooperation with WJOU, Oakwood University Radio, Praise 90.1 FM, broadcasting out of Huntsville. But, of course, the podcast can be heard anywhere at any time by going to WJOU.org or through iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Our theme music is produced by my man DJ Bailey on the ones and twos, twisting knobs and spinning discs and whatever else he was doing to make the music for us. We appreciate you, DJ. Until next time, be healthy.